Welcome to day two of how to build a godly and manly foxhole. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson of Undaunted Life. Let's get into it. All right, guys, in day one of this devotional, we talked about what makes a godly man. And so kind of the main two things we went over in that episode is number one, there are truths that exist outside the self. And so that's essentially the narrative of humanity. And regardless of your belief system, we all exist in this narrative of humanity. And the second is truths that are displayed publicly. And this is where we really got into listing out the characteristics of a godly man. And that is what answered what makes a godly man. So make sure you go back and listen to the first day of this if for some reason you missed it. But today we're going to be focusing on this question. What makes a manly man? And that is a question, frankly, that I get asked often and culturally that is asked a lot because there's a lot of different answers. And depending on who you're talking to and what their political leanings are or their worldview is, you're going to get a different answer, a wildly different answer. Just think if you went out and asked a hundred people that on the street or at a coffee shop, what do you think that they would say? What makes a manly man? You're going to get a lot of different answers, but I would say that most of the time the answers given, especially in kind of a Western cultural context is the negative caricature of what a man is and does. So you're going to get, you know, big muscles and eats meat and drives a four wheel drive truck and hunts and chases women, you know, many sexual exploits and gets in fights and goes his own way, you know, et cetera, et cetera, on and on. And that's what you're going to get from a lot of people, especially in modern culture. Then you have the mostly positive side, but it's still a caricature of what a man is and does. And so that might be, you know, brings home the bacon, knows how to fix stuff or, you know, he's a protector, he's decisive, he leads, he's in amazing shape, you know, has a good business. You know, it could be things like that. Now, me personally, I know a lot of men that I would consider to be very manly, right? A lot of guys in my own foxhole and they check off a lot of the boxes on both of those lists, right? So even if they're on kind of that first list, it's not, you know, it's not a kind of a negative thing. It's just something that they do. It's just something that they happen to like. But in total, I, I guess in a macro sense, I don't think that those lists truly encapsulate what being manly is. So at Undaunted Life, we have a definition of what a man is, and it's this. A man is a male that cultivates spiritual, mental, and physical resilience daily. So... I will just kind of have a, a little bit of a comment here about we live in a culture now that people would even bristle at the use of the phrase, a man is a male, but that's not the point of today's lesson. So I'll digress a little bit. So let's talk about spiritual, mental, and physical. So those essentially cover all the aspects of what it means to be a person. There's a spiritual side to you. There's a mental side and there's a physical side to you. Now, there's certainly relational sides and there's a, a psychological side and an emotional side, but if you're crushing it, and those three areas, you're crushing it in general, right? Spiritually, mentally, and physically. I mean, you just have to ask yourself, are you a guy that is crushing it in all three of those areas? And most guys would have to honestly answer no, because it's really, really hard to do that. But that's part of the, what we point out at Undaunted Life is we know a lot of guys that are crushing it physically, right? You know, they can lift every weight in the gym. They can, you know, run a four minute mile and, you know, bench press 400 pounds, but they haven't read a book since high school. So they would potentially have the physical box checked, but mentally they're not there. You know, maybe they're, they're a prayer warrior, right? And, you know, they, they really go to battle in the spiritual realm, but if they needed to sprint to the end of the parking lot to save their life or the life of someone they loved, sorry, they're goners. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that, that's kind of the deal that we run into. But then I also want to talk about the word resilience because we use the word resilience and we use that very, very specifically because most people talk about spiritual, mental, and physical strength, right? But strength is something that can wane. 
certainly over time or timing. So, you know, Martins Litsis, this is a guy, you know, hard name to say, but he is currently the world's strongest man. He's one of the strongest human beings to ever live. But the day after the world's strongest man competition, this man was not the strongest man in the world because his body was broken down. It was busted up. He was still strong, but he wasn't as strong as he was just 24 hours prior to the competition, right? It's one of those things. He is a resilient human being. He was physically resilient. His ability to bounce back is what's important. And so that's why we focus on spiritual, mental, and physical resilience, because depending upon where you're at in your life and what you're going through, that's going to be hard for you really to reckon with and figure out in terms of where you're at in terms of strength. But resilience, you can always work on the ability to bounce back. And then also in the definition we talk about daily. I mean, think about how ridiculous it would be if someone said, hey, I worked out this year. I I checked my one workout for the year off. Like, that would essentially be useless. Like you essentially did nothing if you only did that once a year. But the same could be said of, hey, I went to church this year. I checked off the went to church box once. Hey, you know, I read one book this year. I did something difficult this year that really taxed me mentally. I did that once. No, no, no. This is something that you have to cultivate on a daily basis. So now you might be thinking to yourself, uh, man, I, I don't know anyone that is crushing it spiritually, mentally, and physically. Like, I don't know anyone that's spiritually, mentally, and phys- physically resilient all at the same time. And I would say to you, that's okay. It is an incredibly high bar to attain. But two of the main reasons for this seven-day devotional is that, number one, you would become one of those men that is spiritually, mentally, and physically resilient. And number two, that you would build up a group of men around you that are striving towards the same goal. And so we, we've had a devotional that we put out a few years ago. It was called uh, A Man's Devotional. And so it's a 21-day devotional. We spend seven days on spiritual resilience, seven days on mental resilience, and seven days on physical resilience. And you'll, I'll make sure that that is in the show notes so you can check that out after you're, after you're done with this one. But this is, this is just one of those things that it's something that you have to think about. It's not going to happen on accident for most of you guys. But while I was preparing this, there was one amazing example of a man that perhaps got the closest to truly checking off these three boxes of resilience, spiritual, mental, and physical. And that's a man named Adam Brown. So this is the unbelievable, true, but uh, (laughs) unbelievable, but true, I guess, story of Adam Brown and his life. Uh, And it's actually recounted in my favorite book of all time, Fearless, The Undaunted Courage and Ultimate Sacrifice of Navy SEAL Team 6 Operator Adam Brown. And that was written by Eric Blim. And I'll actually leave a link in the notes for today of the interview that I did with Eric Blim discussing Adam Brown and discussing this book. But that book is also on our 100 books that every modern Christian man should read list. That's on our website. So if you go to undaunted.lifebacks slash book list. You can check that out there. And that one is prominently featured on that list. And now I obviously can't get into all the intricacies of this man's life here today and in terms of this episode. So I would encourage every single one of you listening to this right now to go pick up a copy of that book or or download it or something like that and read it or listen to it. So, and if you've read it before, read it again, listen to it again. But the very first words of that book are these. What you are about to read is the account of an American hero who bravely gave permission in his final written requests to share his journey from small town America to the gutter, to jail, to Jesus, to war, to the top tier of the U.S. military, SEAL Team 6. So in one sentence, that really was the story of Adam Brown's life. And so there's no spoiler here because, you know, it's pretty well known at this point, but Adam Brown actually did die on mission on March 17th, St. Patrick's Day of 2010, while running towards the sound of danger in Afghanistan when he was with his brothers. He did not make it. It is very unfortunate. Um, 
But this man during his life, he had displayed insane amounts of resilience. And he really had to display this insane amount of resilience for us to even understand and be able to hear his story today. So the first thing I want to talk about is his spiritual resilience. So before his days, you know, as a Navy SEAL, a member of SEAL Team 6, Adam Brown was a drug addict. He was a thief. He was a criminal, right? This was a guy that shouldn't have even been in the Navy. There was a man in the book that I'll let you read about. He signed every waiver possible to get Adam Brown into the Navy because with his track record and and his rap sheet, he should never even have been in the Navy, much less the Navy SEALs. So I'm actually going to read an excerpt from the fearless book. And this is an interaction between Adam and a man named pastor Smith while Adam was in jail. I've been here before with other people in jail. Pastor Smith said they prayed like you were about to, but Adam, I want you to know that God can and really does want to change your life, but it begins with an honest and open desire from you to say, God, no more is it about me. It's about you. Are you ready for that commitment? I am, said Adam. And on the other side of the glass partition, he got off the chair, knelt down, bowed his head, and repeated after the pastor. God, for the first time in my life, I trust you. And God, I thank you that I'm here in jail. God, whatever you've got planned for my life, I trust you. God, I'm sorry for my sins. And today, the best way I know how, I ask you to come into my life. Come into my heart and save me. I want to begin a brand new life. Amen. Pastor Smith visited Adam again for several days. Adam had questions, he says, lots of questions. But the biggest one was, after all I've done, how do I begin to live this Christian life? How do I turn my life around? Well, the bad news is you can't, Pastor Smith said to Adam. But the good news is Christ can turn it around for you and he'll give you the strength and power to do it. How? Adam asked. Let me just show you a verse in the Bible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's Philippians 4.13. If we try to do it within our own power, Adam, we're going to fail. And so this was the start, really, of Adam's spiritual journey. This is the start of him becoming a spiritually resilient person because he grew up in the state of Arkansas, which, you know, if you grow up in the belt buckle of the Bible belt, you're going to get some Christian knees that's just going to like, you know, be on your skin. Like it's just going to be around you. Right. So you're almost going to be culturally Christian. But at this moment, he became a disciple of Jesus Christ. And he had to lean on that several times throughout his life. And that certainly relates to the next two things that we're going to talk about, his mental and physical resilience. And I'm going to go ahead and combine these with a couple of stories. The first story is Adam Brown actually lost an eye because of a training accident. So him in the Navy SEAL, this was when he was in the SEALs, he actually got shot in the eye with what's called a simunition. So it's, it's not an actual bullet, but it's like a, a simulated round. So it can hurt you, but it, you know, it, it basically can't kill you. It hit him in the eye and it took a while, but he actually did end up losing that eye. So for a Navy SEAL, he had to learn to shoot with his non-dominant eye. And for any of you that are out there that are shooters, you have a dominant eye. He had to train himself to shoot with his non-dominant eye and shoot at the level to keep him in the Navy SEALs. An unbelievable task. And then in story two, after he had lost the eye, he got in a Humvee accident overseas and it actually crushed his hand. The Humvee you know, actually hit another American Humvee. It rolled over. His hand was out the window. It rolled over on his hand. You know, basically, it was a miracle that he didn't lose the hand and didn't lose any fingers. But the hand was essentially useless. Okay, so, so he could hold things with it, kind of, but it was essentially useless. So this man not only had to learn how to shoot with his non-dominant eye, he also had to learn to shoot with his non-dominant hand. And for any of my shooters out there, I just blew your mind. 
because some of you guys will do that on the range because you're being funny. No, no, no. This guy had to do it in order to just keep his job. And with those two things combined, and this is just amazing to talk about, he managed not only to stay a U.S. Navy SEAL, he graduated from the hardest sniper school in the world, and that's the Naval Special Warfare Sniper School, a school that he had previously failed whenever he, he had two working eyes and his dominant hand. And then he also eventually passed the green team screening to become a member of the Naval Special Warfare Development Group or DevGru, or as many of you know it, SEAL Team 6. So the amount of mental and physical resilience this man had to have just to keep his job was incredible enough. But then to, to pass the Naval Special Warfare Sniper School and then to become a, a member of SEAL Team 6, it's incredible. And again, guys, I'm barely scratching the surface here. So you really need to go read the entire book to, to truly grasp how incredible Adam was and how amazing his spiritual, mental, and physical resilience was. But before I move on, I do want to kind of point out that it might seem like a one-eyed, you know, bad-handed member of SEAL Team 6 might seem super hard for you to relate to. It's hard for me to relate to, right? I've done some hard things in my life. I haven't done anything even that even comes close to what he's done. But stick with me because Adam Brown accomplished something that many of us can. He had the circumstances of his life. He had the hand he was dealt, as it were, but he played it well. He didn't tap out. He didn't quit. He didn't just say, oh, well, I lost my, I guess I don't have a job anymore. No, no, no. Oh, hey, I messed up my hand. I guess I should stop working out and stop trying to be a Navy SEAL. Maybe I can go do some other job. No, no, no. He said, I'm here for a purpose and God put me here for this purpose. So I'm going to overcome this. I'm going to be resilient. So again, you probably have both of your eyes and both of your hands work. That's not the point. The point is overcoming the circumstances that life has thrown at you. Now, the story of Adam Brown's life actually reminded me of another story of a truly manly man, and that's the story of the Apostle Paul. So I would consider the Apostle Paul to be a manly man for a myriad of reasons, but I especially think that it's true of how Paul comported himself at the beginning of his second letter to his pupil, Timothy. So before we actually get into the scripture here, I do want to kind of set the scene for you, set the tone for you. At the time of the writing of this letter, Paul is essentially languishing in a Roman prison. So this was likely his second stint in a Roman prison, and he was awaiting his coming execution. He didn't really see any way around it. He figured that he was going to die, that he was never going to make it out of a Roman prison alive. So I actually love the way that the Crossway English Standard Version Study Bible encapsulates this letter to Timothy. They say this, Second Timothy is a bold, clear call for perseverance, or you know what I would call resilience, in the gospel in spite of suffering. Paul calls on his young co-worker to continue the fight of faith even as Paul approaches the end of his life. So Paul is absolutely up against it, right? Spiritually, mentally, and physically while he's in prison. Now, spiritually, he knows his execution and death are imminent. And, and we know this because in 2 Timothy 4, 6-8, we see this. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So he knows it's coming. He knows he's right up against it. But look at his spiritual resilience there. He knows he's, he's about to, you know, his, his ticket's about to be punched, right? But he's so excited about what lies on the other side in, in the crown of righteousness that will be afforded to him. It's just an incredible, incredible thing. 
And then we also see that he's mentally up against it right now because in this letter, Paul talks about how several of his supporters had abandoned him during this time in his life. And for any of you guys that have ever felt abandoned or have literally been abandoned by maybe family or, or friends that you thought you were your friends or maybe, a, you know, some coworkers or whatever the situation is, the mental strain that that puts on you is extreme. And yet Paul can still pen a letter like this. And then in terms of physical resilience, I don't know about you guys, but I've never heard of stories of ancient Roman prisons being known for their extreme comfort, right? And, and also at this point, the Apostle Paul had been flogged and beaten a lot. This dude should have died 10 times over, right? But he hadn't been, right? He hadn't been killed. He was such a physically robust and resilient person to survive those things. You know, Paul is, is going through spiritual, mental, and physical anguish. But then he still manages to show resilience to share this message with Timothy. So I'm actually going to read 2 Timothy 1, verses 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, and I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith and faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished earth and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. I mean, that's, that's overwhelming even to read because of where he's at in his life. Because guys, without the context there, it's really easy to overlook what he's going through. It's really easy to be like, oh, yeah, you know, that's kind of a nice letter. Like, oh, I might, you know, steal some of that and send it to a buddy. No, no, no. He is really, really in dire straits, spiritually, mentally, and physically. And he writes that. I mean, you want to talk about being a manly man. Again, at Undaunted Life, you have to cultivate spiritual, mental, and physical resilience daily. But Paul obviously did that. Because you can't write a letter like that unless that's your reality. So Paul is quite the manly man. And so this entire lesson should have given you some ideas as to what makes a manly man. But before you move on to the next thing, here are some questions to ask yourself. Number one, when it comes to spiritual, mental, and physical resilience, in which area am I lagging the most? How can I remedy that? That's question one. I mean, guys, you got to be honest with this one. You can't say, oh, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I'm checking the boxes. I don't know very many guys that are checking all three of those boxes all the time. There is a weak spot. And, and typically, it's kind of easy to see for you if, if you're kind of being intellectually honest with yourself and you really need to think how you can remedy that. 
The second question is this, what steps am I going to take today to begin correcting that? Right? So I'm not letting you guys off the hook because a lot of guys have, a, has an easy, have an easy time, you know, saying what the problem is, figuring out what the problem is, but then they don't do anything about it. So they have identified the issue and then they just let it sit there. So we're not going to let you off the hook. You need to figure out what steps that you can take today, like right after you're done with this, so you can begin correcting that place. Okay. And the last question is this, who are the men in my life that are cultivating spiritual, mental, and physical resilience daily? And guys, we're going to talk about this throughout this, this lesson and throughout this devotional. You have to surround yourself with men that are doing the same thing. And if you're looking around right now and you don't see any of those men, that is a major problem. But don't worry, we're going to help you fix it. All right, guys, for more content like this, check out the rest of our podcast episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review and a five-star rating and check out our website at www.undaunted.life. Make sure you come back tomorrow for day three, where we discuss if it is possible to be both godly and manly. Until then, keep pushing back darkness, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical resilience, keep seeking the Lion of Judah.